Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle, so you've got time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been awaiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast. This is version 352, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, motherfuckers. Whoa, right out of the bat with that one. Hey, dog, it's been one of those kind of days. What y'all doing? Y'all doing all right out there? Sometimes you like to liven things up, shake it up a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. There's a reason why this is rated E for explicit. TVMA for mature audiences only. <laughs> Although to I'm be fair, you know, in a PG-13 movie, you can say the F word one time, but if you say it twice or more, then it drops you to an R. Jeez, I had no idea. I should have just said all you 12-letter cuss words, so I'm sorry. I apologize. That's okay. That. Maybe I'll but go hey, back and, and beep it or something. Who knows? Yeah. Probably not because I'll forget, and then you guys will just be like, oh, my God, what, the, what, what just happened right off a minute into the podcast? <laughs> but that's fun. So we got a lot to get into because Stephen Jones spoke with a collection of Dallas media members at the scouting combine on Tuesday in Indianapolis. And we'll go through some of the things that he had to say. Are there some clues that we can take for what they're looking at here as they approach the offseason? The tag deadline coming up, free agency kicking off on March 13th as everybody now, it's March 1st as everybody listens to this. That's the month. Tag deadline, free agency as they try and, and craft and, and construct this roster leading up, of course, to the NFL draft coming up at the end of April. But before we get into that, I'm telling you guys, we tell you and we tell you and we tell you, I am a standing <laughs> example of what greening law can do for you. If you've been injured in a car accident, if you've been injured on the premises of a business and it wasn't your fault, this is what they do, man. Personal injury lawyer, and they are, they are fantastic at what they do. I cannot recommend them highly enough. If you think you've got a case, the consultation's free. Give them a call and find out because they fight for you. They find ways to help you in ways that you didn't even know that you could be helped. And they do things really to benefit the client in whatever possible way they can. If you believe you have a case, call Greening Law. And I would, I would pause the podcast right now and I would make that phone call right now. And dude, how about this? If you're not sure whether you got a case, just call them and check and see because, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But the consultation is free. 
doesn't cost you anything. That's what free means. And so pick up the phone, give them a call, and say, hey, here's the details of my situation. What do you think? And if they bring you on as a client, it's a great day for you. And that's because, as Matt told you, what do they do? They walk you through the process. They hold your hand through the process. They guide you through the process. They lead you through the process. And Matt's told you, it's a long process. It's a tedious process. It can be an intimidating process. It can be a scary process. Who don't want to ride or die with you right then? I mean, there's no Billy without the kid. There's no John without Wayne. There's no you in the case without Green Team. <laughs> wow, that was awesome. All right, I will take that one. All of that is very, very true. It's Greening Law, man. Again, the consultation's free, so give them a call and, and see if you've got something they can help you with. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Give them a call. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So we embark here on the pod and Stephen Jones, I love when he speaks because I like listening to what he has to say more than Jerry at this point, because Jerry will just say stuff and who knows, it, it, it's so hard. <laughs> he just, you know, he like, he, he loves Zeke and you can ask him, well, you, you guys going to have to get rid of Zeke. Oh, I, I love, I, he's my, I love him and I, I, oh, I. and you don't get anything. And Stephen will ask, you know, to me, you can read in a lot to what Stephen says. Because yes. I, I think sometimes he tells you things without flat out just telling you things. And he kind of gets how to do that at times. And you can kind of read between the lines of some of the stuff that he will say from time to time. So he spoke today at, Indiana, at the scouting combine up in Indianapolis. And he addressed a bunch of different things and. and I pulled some of this audio. Some of this is from John Mishota. Some of this from, is from the Dallas Cowboys. Just a variety of different audio clips here. But I wanted to start off because Chill asked him point blank if allowing Mike McCarthy to determine that he was going to be the play caller speaks to the team's belief in Mike McCarthy. And this is what Stephen Jones had to say. Absolutely. I mean. And Mike, obviously, for most of his career, he was a play caller. I think he may have given it up briefly, you know, one point in time. But, you know, for the most part, he's been the play caller, and he was the play caller for his tremendous success he had in Green Bay. So, yeah, so y'all are all in on Mike. No, absolutely, no absolutely. So y'all are all in on Mike is what Chill asked him right there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it, it's fairly obvious at this point, although you and I have speculated you know, maybe after this season if they don't get where they want to go. But uh, what else right now? Yeah, right now, of course, they're all in on Mike McCarthy. And I thought it was also interesting because Stephen did reveal that it was Mike McCarthy who came to them and said that he wanted to make the change at play caller and that he wanted to, to kind of change up the way that things were. And they allowed him to do so. But then Stephen at one point was even like, look, he's the head coach. This is what he wanted to do. He came to us. He initiated this. Well, yeah, that's because he can see the handwriting on the wall, which is, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know how many more years I have given this organization's drought, which ain't really my fault, but I'm, I'm getting lumped in with everybody else. I'm getting lumped in with Dave Campo and Chan Gailey and, and Barry Switzer and all these people. So, you know, I think if it's running to an end, then I got to I gotta go take charge so that I'm in, it, I can live with myself if I get fired if I did it my way, you can't live with yourself if you get fired and Kellen Moore was calling plays. Even if you have, hey, run it, pass it, whatever. I mean, it's just like a pitcher, man. Mm. 
I'm shaking the catcher off. I don't want to throw the curveball, dog. I'm bringing my heat, 3-2, bottom of the ninth. I don't want to lose on my second-best pitch. So, I mean, I think it's the same thing with uh, McCarthy. He's like, hey, if I'm going down or if I might be in jeopardy, uh, it's, it's time for me to do it my way. Which makes sense, and we have kind of talked about that. If this is going to be the final go, go out the way, if you have to go out the way that you at least know that you gave it all that you had. He also, and of course, there's been some speculation. We've talked about this, whether it was with Todd Archer or Clarence Hill, you know, having them on, there's been some thought that Tyron Smith may be a cap casualty. Listen to how Steven answered this question. Talks about, and this is a little bit of more of a lengthy answer. He talks about the season that Tyron had and the depth that they like having on the offensive line. But just listen, because he's basically asked point blank about Tyron Smith towards the end of the answer, and he'll answer it for us. But here is Stephen Jones, his thoughts on Tyron Smith. You know, obviously getting our hands around the best way for us to um, move forward. You know, when we got, you know, a guy like Terrence Steele coming off, you know, a major injury. Uh, obviously, Tyron was ultimate team player uh, to raise his hand, said, I want to move over and help the team at right tackle. It's what he played in college. I mean, I think he's comfortable there. Um, but, you know, it's a good problem to have. I mean, in this league, you look at offensive line injuries and, uh, you know, all the challenges that teams have, uh, you know, I guess the biggest takeaway from our meetings was you can't have enough of these guys. I mean, you need these big offensive linemen if you want to, you know, if you want to protect your quarterback, which all 32 do, uh, you know, then you can't have enough of these guys. So, uh, you know, there's really not a lot of conversation to have with Tyron other than, you know, he'll, he seems like he's very content to do whatever helps the team. So you expect him back? Yes. Yeah, I mean, we would always do reworks and things of that nature. Could you know that could come up with him, but you know we have the ability to do that. And but right now, uh, you know, we're comfortable where we are. I mean, he was flat out point blank. Chill asked him, so you expect him back? Yes. Yeah. See, now what's interesting about that is what role do they expect him back in? Uh, do they expect him to be a starter? Do they expect him to be a swing tackle? Um, you know what? Uh, how do you how do you envision it? How do you see it going down? Uh, and it's real interesting to me because you know, do you expect him to start at left tackle and put uh, Ty- Tyler Smith at left guard? Um, that's always an option. Just just what do you do? But whatever you do, understand he ain't playing more than 13, 12, 13 games. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a legitimate third tackle in the house. Maybe you bring Jason Peters back. And one of those young guys, or maybe you draft a guy in the third or fourth round who can actually play this time. Um, you know, so there's a lot of options there. But yeah, it sounds like Tyron Smith's coming back. And you wonder, did you get the sense that that he they would ask him to take a pay cut because he's not actually making all that much, relatively speaking. But if you thought you could still shave off another two or three million off his salary and turn it into some kind of uh, incentive then you might be inclined to do that. Yeah, it, it, it does kind of strike you that way, especially like what you said there at the end. And we all know that. I mean, anytime you've got a player, there's always some things that you can do and there's some stuff that you can try to have happen. I don't think he carries in 2023, he will have a $17.6 million cap hit. Yeah, bro, we ain't trying to do that. So you you got to think that somewhere around making a pay cut, if you want to come back and it sounds like, yeah, we expect him back, 
how you work that out because they're obviously not going to carry a $17.6 million cap hit on Tyron Smith. So I'll be curious to see what the deal is if they do work something out like that because you can cut them. It's $8 million dead cap, but you would clear $9 million and some change in cap space. So maybe there's some leeway there where you rework this final year and if that's it. But to your point, I did think it was interesting because it almost seemed like he alluded to the idea that if Terrence Steele isn't ready to go at the beginning of the year, they go to Tyron Smith as the right tackle and Tyler Smith as the left tackle if they needed to to open the season. And it really did kind of sound like they, they almost envision Tyron Smith as a guy that can help them out with some depth along the line and maybe not necessarily as your day one starting left tackle. That's not bad if, um, you know, it would. and here's what I mean. Last year, they they went into the season saying, hey, we're going to let Amari Cooper go. We're going to trade him, blase, blase. But, yo, yeah, Michael Gallup is coming off an ACL, but we'll act like he's like he'll be 100% healthy at the start of the season. Um, and so you got burnt by that because he was never really healthy. So you could – it would be smart to say, hey, Terrence Steele's coming off this injury. If we got Tyron over there, we don't even have to rush Terrence back. If you're not ready to start until week eight, or week nine, cool. Just be ready to start when you start. Because why? We know at some point Tyron's going down and we'll need you. And if it happens in week nine or week 10, then fine. You can come in and start right then. Um, and if you're healthier, then you can compete with Tyron and see if you can beat him up. Yeah. So the conversation continues. And these next three cuts are all kind of centered around the running back position. And that's the draft, Zeke. Tony Pollard and how they want to handle this. So first, let's let's go into the Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, the tag question. And this is kind of a double answer here. And you'll hear some of the, the you know, th this is Jane Slater's there, Archer's there, Mishota, uh, Jory Epstein is there, Clarence Hill, I, Calvin's probably up there. I mean, this, this core group of Cowboys media that you'll hear some of these voices come in and ask him a couple of questions. But this next cut here is the Zeke Elliott leading into the Tony Pollard question, and here's how Stephen Jones kind of answers that. Those are things that we'll have to, you know, obviously work through as we move forward. I mean, we hadn't finalized any decisions yet uh, in terms of, uh, you know, you know what that's gonna, what that room's going to look like. But uh, you know, Zeke's a tremendous competitor. Uh, you know, he's you know a guy that uh, you know he's just a great teammate and a great competitor and a guy that. You know, obviously he's making a lot of money. He knows that, and uh, obviously Tony Pollard's up for free agency, so that's a challenge. But uh, we'll work through that. Have you had any discussions with Tony's agent yet? And is the franchise tag no, on but the table we, for you but, guys? But we will this week. We'll okay. be visiting with, you know, all the guys who are free. We'll be visiting with, you know, most of their agents. It's not out of the question, but we certainly hadn't determined whether we'll do that or not. More than likely, we'll use our tag though. Not necessarily on Tony, but we'll use our tag. I thought that was really interesting right there at the end, how he goes, well, more than likely, he was talking about Tony Pollard. He literally goes, more than likely, we'll use our tag, though. Then he pauses, and it's almost, he's like, well, I mean, not necessarily on Tony. Like, oh, okay, Stephen, sure. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know who else there is. I can't right? see you paying Dalton Schultz 13, me. No, and you're not going to, I saw somebody, you know, potentially, what if it's Donovan Wilson, which would, the, the franchise tag on that position is like 14 and a half. Nah, bro. Yeah, so I, I think he kind of let the a little slip there, Stephen did, and he caught himself and said, not necessarily on Tony, but I mean, come on. I mean, there, 
they're going to try to work with Tony, and if they can't, they will tag him by March 7th, and they'll move from there. I also thought it was interesting, and when he talked about Zeke, he complimented Zeke as a tremendous competitor. He's a great teammate, and then he goes back and he goes, a great competitor. And I just want to like listen to that key phrase, because I wonder if that's like his crutch compliment phrase. Because listen to this next answer that he gave, because Todd Archer asked him, how difficult is it when you're releasing some of these greats, like a DeMarcus Ware or what have you, not necessarily that you're releasing Zeke, but how do you go through that process? And here's Steven's answer on releasing some of the greats that they've released in their tenure owning the Cowboys. It's always very difficult when you have to make a very difficult business decision that happens to be a consensus in the organization. I mean, it's tough. I mean, let go of an Emmett Smith or DeMarcus Ware. I mean, those are things that you always lose sleep at night before you do it because you're wondering if you're doing the right thing. I mean, these are great competitors. Uh, the two you just mentioned were Hall of Famers. I mean, you always second guess yourself uh, when you're letting go, you know, those type of players. But sometimes great competitors. I mean, that's his like, you know, hey, they're great competitors. What do you think about Zeke? Great competitor, tremendous competitor. I, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into that, but I, I, the fact that it was back-to-back like that, I thought it was interesting that I don't want to say anything about Zeke, but I'm going to compliment him, and my compliment to him is the same compliment I'm going to give to past other guys that we released that we thought were in the same situation. Well, I mean, I just don't uh, – I mean, I, I think it's uh, – dude, if you can release – you know, Troy Aikman got waived. Yeah. <laughs> Dez is another guy, you know? Yeah, Not that he's Emmett's, a Hall of Famer like DeMarcus Ware or Troy Aikman. No, nah, Emmitt Smith, DeMarcus Ware, it happens, bro. And it happens all over the league. I mean, this is not unique to Dallas. It happens all over the league. And if you're going to keep your franchise competitive over a long period of time, you got to make these tough-ass decisions, bro. Um, I'm his biggest fan of Zeke anywhere. Um Matter of fact, I saw somebody last week put out some video about Zeke's not watched. Look at his highlight tape. Bro, he's a good player, or he has been. You can find 20 plays where he looks like vintage Zeke. The problem is there are he probably played 800 snaps. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the problem. Um, so, Doug, it just seems, and I, I, I've used this run against San Francisco. Maybe I'll go back and look at it one more time in slow motion. But, you know, it just seems to me like it's, it's done, man. It's, um, he, can't, he can't play to the level that you need him to play. And all that other stuff is great when it's combined with productivity on the field. When it's not productive on the field, I mean, all the great teammate, great competitor just falls short because you need more as a player. Yeah, you do. You do need more. And it, it's... Everything that I have heard that I've either read Stephen quoted on or everything that he has said, including the stuff that he said today about Zeke, I just, you don't get the idea because it, it, it so much of it reminds me of when he would talk about Des Bryant. And they, he is that guy, he will, he's not going to rip him. He doesn't have, there's no reason to. Right. But he, he will answer any of these questions about Zeke of, hey, he's a tremendous competitor. He's a great competitor. You know, that type of thing. And, and we're going to look at this and see what we've got. And he's basically just describing to you as, we're, no, we're not bringing him back. But I'm not going to say that ever in the media. And we don't want anybody. And we especially don't want to. We don't want to say anything that Zeke could read as an insult because we really do appreciate the dude for the last several years. Right. And you know this happens, man. Ain't nobody's fault. It's just 
it's just what it is sometimes, bro. And uh, you you got to come to grips with it. It's life in the uh, in the NFL. So he was also asked, staying with the running back thing here, and, and we've seen, we were talking about this the other day with the projected mock drafts, that there are those out there who think the Cowboys could go for a B. John Robinson in the first round if he were to make it to 26. So Steven was asked about drafting running backs in the first round, and here's his answer. I think it depends on what part of the first round. And if you're up there in the top 10, I mean, it's hard to take them there. You definitely, if you're taking a player in the top half, you're hoping you got a player that's going to be here 10 years. And it's tough for running backs to last 10 years. There's not many Emmett Smiths or guys that play that long. So that philosophy switch since Zeke? I just think it's hard. I mean, we thought Zeke, you know, Zeke obviously did an amazing job for us. He came in right away and was dominant and helped us win a lot of football games. So I don't second guess that one, but it is hard. You know, like I said, it's hard for these guys to play 10 years at a very high, you know, at a real high level. See, even then, man, I thought that was interesting because he almost, it sounded like he was going to talk about Zeke in the past tense and then he caught himself and and goes back into complimenting him. Oh, no, he talked about him in the past tense. Oh, yeah, he he got him in the past tense. And, you know, but he's right. And, and, you know, Chill kind of, he was trying to get the question out about the 26 and then somebody else completely asked a question that had nothing to do with anything they had been talking about. And so Chill had to circle back around and ask, well, what, you know, 26, would you be open to that? And, you know, Stephen kind of sidestepped his, his question there, but the idea, and we, and you and I have talked about, we talk about this every time, every year that we have been doing this and we are entering, I think this is our fifth year of doing draft coverage. Wow. We've been doing this like, like, man, I love you, bro. Yeah, I think that's right. Or maybe it's a, yeah, I think this is our fifth. I can't remember. Anyway, it's our fourth or fifth. Anyway, the reality of it is, is that we, every year we remind people of this and we've probably done this a couple of times. There's not, there's not 32 first round picks in the draft. There's not 26 first round picks in the draft. Yeah. True. Real tough. There's like, what do we always say? There's like 14 to 18. Right. Somewhere in that mid range. And, and that's kind of what Steven is alluding to there is depending on where you're at in the first half, you know, that, that maybe that is a new cautionary tale for as long as the Jones family owns the Cowboys that they'll look at this and go, well, you know, we took Zeke with the fourth overall pick and it was great for a couple of years. And then it was kind of like, well, maybe we should have gone in a different direction with that particular selection. And, and so when you're talking about that, and we've gone through this, like what is expected of first round picks? You, those are guys that you're supposed to get that second contract. Zeke got his, probably not at the time or to the level that the Cowboys were hoping that it would happen, but it happened. I don't know. I think it's an interesting conversation for of those 14, 16, 18 true first rounders. When you look at how many different running backs are in the NFL that have had success that are nowhere near being drafted that high, the value just, it really just is not there. You know, what we talk about all the time is what you just mentioned, which is value. Like you can take him there, but is that the best value? You know, you can do a lot of things, but is that the best value? And so the draft is always about value, man. Now you don't want to pass up a great player, but let me, let me, let me tell y'all all this. This is real tough. Anybody you draft in the 20s, you don't know is a great player. Okay, check this out. That doesn't mean they can't develop into a great player, T.J. Watt. Nobody knew he was a great player because if they did, Matt, what? They he would have been available him. at 28. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm just telling y'all. So anybody you draft at that part of the draft, you take at that part of the draft in the 20s, even Des Bryant. Now, he had a little issues, but 
so he failed. But for the most part, you're taking guys and you're like, once the first round pick, we don't, we, you know, hopefully he is what we think he is. It's not like guys you take in the top five or the top ten where you're like, you're getting probably the best corner in the draft or the best receiver in the draft or the best lineman in the draft. You expect that dude to be a beast. So, you know, you can take a risk in the 20s at a position because the value isn't the same as if you take him in the top five or 10. That's why we talk about quarterbacks. You take a quarterback in the top 10 and you say, hey, we're not going to start him. Well, the first time Matt throws an interception, they're like, put Taylor in the game. Let's see what the young guy can do. You take Taylor at 27, Matt throws an interception, uh, you know, maybe he'll get it together and he won't throw one next week because there's no, there's no expectations per se for the 27th pick as it is compared to the 5th or the 6th pick. Exactly. And, and I, I, Stephen basically kind of tells you it, it's not – I'd be shocked if it's a running back in the first round. I, I'd be shocked. Now, that being said, there are some other things that he had to say. So we move from the running back conversation and we move into – you know what? Before we move into the DAC stuff, let's talk about the wide receivers. Yeah. And oh, he – you and I, I think everybody, we've had Archer on, we have Chill on the podcast. In reality of it is, we all think, look, you, you have to address wide receiver. Something has to be done. Does Stephen Jones agree with that? Here's what he said about wide receivers. I think we got a solid group. Um, I think Michael Gallup has a great chance to take the next step in terms of, uh, you know, what he can do. Uh, and, you know, coming off a major ACL, I think it's pretty typical. You know, the guys improve from the first year to the second year. There's usually a jump, and I uh, fully expect Michael to do that. And then I think we've got a good competitive group after that. Will we look at maybe improving it? Absolutely. I think it's fair to say that we're looking hard at it in terms of what we ultimately want the room to look like. You think? Yeah, okay. So whatever that means. Means they're looking hard at it. I mean, do something. And, and again, he he went back around later on and said whether that's free agency or the draft, I mean, those types of things. He was pointedly asked about Jalen Tolbert and, of course, gives that, well, you know, you always want your rookies to show up and make an immediate impact for you. And, you know, that didn't happen. Okay, well, he was pointedly asked about Odell Beckham Jr., but as you would imagine, and, and what's he going to say? Oh, yeah, we're hoping to sign him. He can't say that. So he said, I can't comment on something like that. I'm not even going to address that. So anybody with eyes that watch this team, the fact that he led with, I think we have a solid group. I made me chuckle when I heard that. <laughs> I was like, no, you don't. You can't look at this group of wide receivers and think you have a solid group of wide receivers. No, not as currently, uh, not as currently constructed, perhaps down the road, but not as currently constructed, bro. And it, uh, you know, it ain't even all that complicated to me, um, you know, what they, what they need to do. Uh, they need to add weapons, man. However they, however they get them, free agency to draft. It's a talent acquisition business, as they tell us. And so that's what needs to happen. It's all about talent acquisition, bro. And uh, they got to get it done. They do, very much so. So before we play the next couple of clips, which will be DAC-centric, we do need to go ahead and tell you about Freeway Tire Shop because JR and his guys, man, again, if you get frustrated with the Cowboys and you wonder how do I stand behind this team, they they always are just they're 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 smoking mirrors and doing this and waving their hand over here and trying to trick me. That's why Freeway Tire Shop exists. Because as much as we have to put up with this Cowboys fans, we can go to Jr. 
sit in his shop and know that the work being done is work that we can trust, work that he's going to stand behind, know that he's offering you a fair price, no matter what it is, oil change, new tires, maybe some serious mechanic work. He does all of that at Freeway Tire Shop, and he does it in a comfortable environment with elite-level customer service. Nah, man, it's all about trust, bro. Uh, our boy, I call him Philadelphia Trey, went by there a couple weeks ago and said, hey, everything you guys told me was true, which is that you can trust JR to diagnose what the hell is wrong with my car. How about that? Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. Then he can trust him to use quality parts. And as I tell y'all, because JR was the first dude who ever told me this, and that's why I talk about it all the time. He was like, hey, I can't remember even what part it was, but he's like, hey, you can get this part. It's a little more expensive, but it'll last longer. Or you can get this cheaper part, uh, which is fine, but you'll probably be back sooner rather than later. And I was like, nah, just go get the more expensive one. Uh, but that's the first time I had a mechanic had ever given me that choice. Uh, you know, third, you can trust them to give you a fair price, man. And that, to me, is also a big one. I never mind paying JR because I always feel like, that's about what it should cost, and I'm good. Even when he put a new engine in my dude's Challenger. I was like, yeah, that's about what it should cost. It's expensive, but that's about right. That's, that's a good deal. I, I'll take that. And then, man, you can trust him to stand behind his work. Something go wrong, you just bring it back. It's no, hey, hey, hey. No, it's just, oh, okay, let me look at it again. Oh, okay, it's this. All right, and you're back on the road. There's no perfect mechanic, all right? If you think there is, you're lying to yourself. They make mistakes or they get something done. It's like going to the doctor. You thought it was fixed, but it's not so you go back. It's not a big deal when they stand behind their work and that's what jr does man so if your mechanic don't do all of that stuff and you can't rave about your mechanic the way i do take your butt right up 35 north toward denton get off at commonwealth it's about five minutes from downtown if go through the light he's right on the right you cannot miss him all right easy and enough tell man. Your boy tell me your boys from jam sessions sent you that's freeway tire shop it's right there online freewaytireshop.com you can check them out also, of course, we are made possible by HFX Foundation Solutions. Aaron, his team, they're family-owned and operated. They're local. They service all of the DFW area. So if you have run into foundation issues, or before we get into the rain that comes in the spring, if you've got drainage problems, if you need gutter installations, they handle all of that for you. That's what they do. So give them a call, 817 770 it's a free, no obligation inspection for your foundation. If you, if you see cracks, sticking doors, soil washout, all that stuff kind of goes hand in hand. You need to give them a call to make sure you catch something before it gets out of control. Oh, no doubt about that, man. I mean, the whole reason we talk about the cold knots before you crib is so that you can see all the inner workings of what's going on that you can't see. I mean, you can look and see a crack in the wall but there's some stuff that could be going on internally that you can't see or you can't see what's going on underground with your foundation shifting or any of that stuff so that's why we say hey man you get a colonoscopy to make sure that your insides are great you get what we call the colonoscopy for your crib to make sure your house is internally doing great and um, you know if it's not for some reason when you get Aaron to come over there and check it out, the best thing is typically they find stuff early. You can do some maintenance on it. Only costs you a fraction of what it costs if they find it late. And uh, you get the peace of mind that comes from knowing I had my crib checked out. I am good. It's easy, man. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. So back to the Cowboys conversation. The final couple of things that Stephen Jones had to say in regards to Dak, 
he was asked if he had been talking with Todd France, Dak's agent, with working on a contract extension for Dak and how this might go this time around. And here's his reaction to contract talks or extension or what might happen with Dak Prescott. I bet is there's not going to be a lot said about it. We'll wake up one day and it'll be done. But doesn't it help to sort of get an idea of what you have when we talk about the piece of the pie? Like I it said, helps the piece of the pie. Well, we've got a plan and but you're not doesn't necessarily help. always help you to divulge your plans. Gotcha. <laughs> is that why you guys are playing this Zeke situation a little closer to the vest this time around? Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, obviously tremendous respect for our players. And not just Zeke, not just Dak, but all of them. I mean, we, I mean, we had a really good football team last year and the year before. And unfortunately, we didn't take the next step, and we want to you know, do some things that will help us take that next step. So it's interesting, and that kind of runs into what I'm going to play to to wrap up this conversation, but the Dak thing and his whole little, well, I, I have a feeling that we'll just wake up one day and it'll be done and on into perpetuity. <laughs> okay, sure. You're not he, going for that, bro? No, and he, and he because he was asked, have you spoken with Todd France? He said no, and then that was kind of the follow-up on that. And then, then the whole, well, doesn't it help, you know, so that you know what you're operating with? And, well, they've got a plan, and they're not going to tell any of us because, as we all know, and, and all Cowboys fans know this, the Cowboys are always smarter than we are. Stop it, man. Stop it. I'm just saying. I mean, hey, they knew to get rid of Amari Cooper. We all thought you might need to keep him around for a while. But, they, hey, go ahead and get rid of the guy. Hey, well, I mean, you know, uh, that to me was one of, um, I don't know, man. They, they just screwed that one up. Uh, I would say, and you got to keep perspective, Matt. They've won 24 games in the last two years. So, clearly, mm -hmm. they make more good decisions than they make bad decisions. And, uh, you know, we just got to keep that in mind because it's the reality. Uh, doesn't mean every decision they make is good. I mean, not every decision I make is good. Uh, not every decision anybody makes is good. So, yes, they screw up from time to time. But in general, they've made some good decisions. Uh, they just got to get, uh, you know, they just got to get better. And, you know, it's a, it's a weird organization because Jerry's always at the front, at the forefront. But Jerry – if you can keep them under control, it's probably the least important decision maker. You know what I mean? Meaning, yeah, he gets out there and he talks a lot about it, but Stephen and Will McClay are carrying things with input from McCarthy, and then they present it to Jerry most of the time, and Jerry can either say yay or nay, but what's he normally yeah. going to say? He's normally going to side with who? Will McClay and Stephen. Mm -hmm. Now, occasionally he gets a burr up his ass about something be it Odell Beckham Jr. or something else, and, you know, you may have to go to the wall and try to convince him it's good or it's bad, depending on what the consensus is. But, um, you know, Jerry's pretty reasonable. He just likes to get out there and talk about everything. Yeah. So your point of the, they got to get better, and, and he, Stephen Jones, was flat out basically point blank asked the question that a lot of us sometimes want to ask, why continue to believe? What is the belief? Oh, that sounds like a Clarence Hill question. I, I believe it was. What is, <laughs> what is the belief to have in this team that you can get where you want to go? And this is Steven's answer. Take it for what it is, but this is why he is telling all you Cowboys fans they believe and you should believe too. I think the overall foundation of our football team is strong, real strong. And uh, uh, I think Dak, uh, you know, is the ultimate 
uh, team leader. Uh, I think he's got an insatiable appetite to be great and clean up whatever he needs to clean up. Uh, so I think, you know, it all starts with quarterback, and I think we've got ours. And, and then I think the players around him, we've got a great foundation. So, I mean, this is a, a, a team that I think has won more games other than Kansas City the last two years. Where we're not getting it done, obviously, is, you know, putting a string of three to four games in the playoff together where we play at a high level. So he's telling you right there, for those of you that think that maybe there's a quarterback change coming along the way, that's not happening. <laughs> I, I think it was obvious. That's why I played that Dak, his, his answer to the contract of, you know, it's almost like nonchalant. Oh, we're going to get it done. We'll just wake up one day and it'll be done. And he's telling you right there, that's why they believe that they have this. They got a foundation and they believe they've got their guy at quarterback. They believe that. We don't have to believe it. We can think how many chances you want to give the guy, but they believe that Dak Prescott can get them where they want to go. Um, yeah. And, you know, man, I, I've, I've been pretty consistent that Dak, uh, like, again, I ain't breaking no news here. Dak didn't play good last year. I don't think anybody's going to uh, dispute that. But last year goes against his history as a player. And so now this upcoming season is all about, are you going back to who you've been or is this some new deck? Uh, I tend to think he's going back to who he's been. Uh, he's, a, he's a prideful player and he's been a good player. And there was nothing about last year's performance that reminded me of anything I'd seen from Dak before. So sometimes, uh, and this is real, man, even though people want to act like it's not, sometimes you have a career year in a positive way. All right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, my brother, you have a career year in a negative way. But it's not who you are. It's I had an awful year. It is what it is. I'm going back to being my normal quarterback self now. We better hope so. And the Cowboys are hoping so, too. And, and so all of that kind of gives you a little bit of insight of where the Cowboys are thinking, what their thoughts are, at least with some of those questions moving into free agency they're going to try and figure out a way to, as we have been imploring them to do, improve this thing around Dak and hope that, as you were just talking about, that year was an anomaly and he's going to settle somewhere towards the mean, which is a quarterback. And again, even the year that Dak had last year, they still went to the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you think about that. I mean, does he need to improve? Yeah, he does. I, we all think that. You got to hope you can bust through at some point, but you got to put some pieces around them, which basically kind of sounded like that, what they think. And it's, it's hard to disagree. I mean, the salary cap, as Todd Archer will tell you, is a myth that you can basically do what you really want to do, which we've tried to tell you guys that a million times. And no, it isn't. You can only do that. Well, you, you, you can kick the can as far down the road as you want. At some point, you typically decide... Uh, whatever we were trying to do didn't work out. And right. so this is the year where we probably just need to hit the reset button and we'll eat it all right. at once. Right. And what I'm saying is the Cowboys basically did that many years ago when they hired Dave Campbell. They're like, uh, they got rid of Chan Gailey. They said, ah, our team is not really in a position to compete. So we're just going to do all our salary cap stuff now, reset it, get it back right, build the team back right. Uh, get rid of all the dead weight, the dead money, and all that stuff. And camps, we're going to pay you, let you be head coach, 
and uh, you ain't going to never get another head coach job. So you take this 15-33 record and this money we're going to give you and be good. Yeah, and you clean up your cap situation. And, I mean, that's why the Cowboys, when he talks about their foundation, he's right. If, if you believe, and you can laugh at this, you don't have to agree with them. But, but just seeing it from their side, if they believe they've got the quarterback, you got a number one wide receiver in C.D. Lamb. You've got what looks like another a plug left tackle for future for the next decade in Tyler Smith. You've got a couple of guys defensively, whether it's Diggs, obviously Micah Parsons, that you believe you can continue to build around that you want to keep defensively. So, yeah, there is a solid foundation. Now it's a matter of how do you find those guys like the Malik Cookers, the Donovan Wilsons of the world that come in, hopefully a healthy Michael Gallup, a Tony Pollard that you get in the fourth round that can come in and give you a little something. How do you find those guys that flash for you for a couple of years that accentuate the foundation that can get you over the top? And they've got to add to that. But that's that's their their goal, their desire, as much of as for all of us for this offseason. So the other thing, and this is not Cowboys now, but we'll move on. I saw this today, and this blew my mind. There are currently, as we are, you guys are listening to this on March 1st, so we're 12 days away from the beginning of free agency. There are currently 23 free agent quarterbacks Wow. With starting experience of some sort in the NFL. And, and when I say that, I mean guys that have at least started a game. That list goes all the way from Lamar Jackson, who's going to get tagged, I think. Daniel Jones, who very well may get tagged as well. But listen to these, some of these other names of free agent quarterbacks that are out there this offseason. Geno Smith, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, Jacoby Brissett, Taylor Heineke, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Mason Rudolph, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, Mike White, Gardner Minshew, Jarrett Stidham, Blaine Gabbert, Chase Daniel, Cooper Rush. Now, obviously, some of those we chuckle about, but that guys that have at least started a game in the NFL, I'll be. this is such a fascinating offseason of quarterbacks because add to that the four dudes that are going to get drafted in the first round – Add to that Aaron Rodgers, who's very likely to get traded, even a potential like a like a Zach Wilson, who was a number two pick in the draft a couple of years ago, who's likely to get traded. A Ryan Tannehill, who there are a lot of reports out there that the Titans would be willing to move on for him. Same with the Saints and Jameis Winston, depending on how they they do the draft. I mean, this is it is wild to see the names that are at quarterback. There's only so many spots to go around. Half the teams in the NFL easily already have their guy. This is this is a really, really interesting upcoming draft of a team like the Panthers, for instance. And maybe it's not the Panthers. Maybe you got to be a little bit further out than the Panthers. But the Panthers are sitting at nine. If you're Carolina, do you take what it would cost to go from nine to one to trade with the Bears, which is a couple of firsts, probably a couple of seconds and and some. Do you trade that draft capital to go up and get a Bryce Young who you believe in to bring him onto a team that already wasn't any good and now you've traded away a lot of really high draft capital? Or do you try and go out and see if one of these random ass dudes on the market can do something for you in the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, let's keep it real. One of those random ass dudes isn't going to do anything for you. Yeah, the, pretty much all the names that I listed <laughs> outside of Lamar Jackson. All those names that I listed, 
You know, Derek Carr is probably at the top of that heap of, of what I consider bridge quarterbacks where yeah. you may not be a team, and I don't know what range you've got to be in, and, and, and maybe it is Carolina. And, and the point being, well, okay, well, we can't give away all this draft capital because if we ever get a chance to draft up high, we're, we're going to give away. Somewhere it makes sense where, okay, we can't get up to get the quarterback. We can't trade to one or two. It didn't happen for us but we're going to have to have a quarterback. Do we ride with this guy and just see if we can luck ourselves into a top five pick at some point? No, I mean, I think you, it's just me. You just got to have a plan. It, it kind of, it's two ways to build it. Number one, you can build it um, where we're going to build the team. Don't worry about the quarterback. We're just building the team, building the team, building the team, building the team, building the team. And then we can slide a quarterback in there. Or then that's the year where we'll use all our draft capital, whatever it is, to try to find a quarterback. Yeah. Or you can say, now the hardest thing to do is get the quarterback. Let's get him while we got him on this rookie contract. Let's, um, you know, let's go, let's be trying to make it happen and, and see if we can build the team around him at the same time. And, uh, you know, bro, it's, it's, there's pros and cons to each method. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to get it done. Uh, you just got to get it done. Yeah, you got to get it done, but it, it's it's such a crowded ass quarterback market, and you know I'm kind of curious. Do you think that they bring Cooper Rush back, or do you think that he'll try to go somewhere that that he can compete more for a starting job? Well, that's two different questions. Would they try to bring Cooper Rush back? Yeah, because uh, he's a calming influence. You know now that he can play, and if you got talent around him, he can he can put you in a position to win. So that's the Cowboys' answer. The Cooper Rush answer is, well, hell yeah. You're always trying to be a starter. Why would I want to make a million dollars a year where yeah. spare backups are making 10 and 15 and 20 million? So, yeah, I, I want to go play and compete for a job. Uh, so, yeah, if I'm Cooper Rush, I'm trying to find a job. Problem is, I really think Cooper Rush is a backup quarterback. I don't see him as a starter. Yeah, I think he is as well. And I, I think the NFL thinks that because he's been able to be claimed by anybody multiple times in his career and nobody seemed to care. And I'm okay making a million dollars and waking up and feeling great every day. So as we continue here, and, and we'll follow along with this because, again, that's I just named 23 dudes plus draft picks plus trade candidates. There's going to be some names that have started in some cases that were high draft picks. Like Carson Wentz is a great example of that because the commanders released him today. I don't think he's done but man, I think he's getting really close to having a difficult path to having because at some point, is he going to be okay being a backup? Because I still think he's going to want to go out and be a starter. This will be whoever takes him next. That will be his fourth team in four years from the Eagles who didn't want him, who got him to the, to the Colts, who traded capital, draft capital for, for Carson Wentz, who decided, whoa, that we can't win with this dude, who sent him to Washington, who immediately after one year, like, whoa, we can't win with this dude. And now a fourth team? Come on. Dude, I, I don't think he's a starter anymore. I think he's moved into backup territory. He's had several cracks to be a starter. And he hadn't even lasted it. I mean, you know, he's giving he's a year later, they're like, nah, bro, we 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 good. Yeah. So no, I don't think he's uh well, let me put it like this. Uh who was the quarterback? Who was the coach when he got drafted? Doug Peterson? Yeah. All right, so they got a quarterback in Jacksonville. So, yeah, you know, uh, I just think he's done, man. And I think the issue is, is um, 
twofold. I think his physical skills have diminished because of the injuries. Like he looks to me like a guy you could do a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you could do like an oral history on that run he had where he broke his hip or broke his knee, where he's trying to bulldoze into the into the end zone, because that's what that changed the trajectory of his career. He was like on his way to being an MVP and some right. other stuff. He tore his knee up, missed his, and he ain't really been the same since. But there's something else about him, man, which you hear from uh, just about every team he's been on, which makes you think "Ah, that's probably true. I don't want to say he's a douchebag, but I'll say there are are certain people who are just awkward and not likable. And it sounds to me like he fits into that category. And that's a hard thing for a quarterback to be because – Typically, guys like to like to ride for the quarterback. I mean, what do we talk about all the time? Like, people on the cow, players on the Cowboys ride for Dak Prescott because he's a genuinely good guy, and they would yeah. like to see him do well and succeed. Um, so, because he gets it, and apparently, you know, Carson Wentz just doesn't get it. And more than one person has said it, and and like that's why I said there's a difference between being a douchebag where you kind of know that you're like a jerk, and you just don't care, and you know, somebody like Wentz, who just sounds like he's just this kind of awkward, weird dude, um, you know, who just is good at playing football or had been. Yeah. And, and, you know, you brought up an interesting point where I wonder if at this point of his career, 30 years old, if you go to the guy that you originally had success with, I mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence is the established starter. But if you just decide that, okay, I'll chase Daniel this thing, I'll hold the clipboard, and I'll be the backup in in Jacksonville behind Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it could be. But, you know, here's the other thing, bro. Uh, I read this the other day. Dude has made like $154 million. Yeah. If he just wants to say, hey, I want to get me some nice camo gear and wherever he lives. I don't know where his, where his home base is. Somewhere and in just, North Dakota, I guess. And just go hunting <laughs> fish every day. Yeah, you know, on my big farm or ranch or whatever. You know, hey, I put my time in. I'll, I'll see you guys later. Yeah, it's wild, man. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that that dude, the number two overall pick from where he was when he got hurt as a potential MVP. And I, I really, I seriously wonder if he's done. Seven seasons, $129 million in his career. Would he be willing to go be a backup somewhere and make way less than he has made since he was a rookie? I don't know. It, 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 that, who knows? We'll see. Well, a lot of it, you know, I mean, real talk, man. A lot of it's at that point becomes it becomes an ego-based conversation. Right, yeah. And, you know, what your ego can handle, what your ego can't handle. And, uh, you know, none of us know. The curious case, because on the same day, because keep in mind, not only was Carson Wentz released, but Marcus Mariota was also released by the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, he was the number two overall pick in 2015. Carson Wentz was the number two overall pick in 2016. And you have seen now Marcus Mariota go from the Titans to the Raiders to the Falcons for a season. And if a team picks him up, he will be on his, I guess, technically, that would be what? Because he was with the the Raiders for two consecutive seasons. So he'll be on his fourth team in five seasons 
if somebody picks up Marcus Mariota. Another guy who, for whatever reason, it just never never worked for him either. I'm a little more surprised by him because nobody says that he's a, uh, he's a douchebag. He's right. just, you know, his, whatever, you know, his that just goes to show you how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL, man, because this yeah. guy was the truth, the truth coming out of Oregon. Like, oh, God, Mariota, he can, he's a dual threat guy. He can run it, he can throw it, he can this, he can that. Um, it's just hard to succeed, man, because sometimes, as I've told y'all, it ain't just about you. Like he started off in the Raiders. Is there a more dysfunctional organization for the last 20 True. years in the NFL than the Raiders? And so when you're in that dysfunction. Well, he started, yeah. he started with the Titans. He was with Tennessee for four seasons, before, uh, five seasons before yeah, he went to the Raiders. Yeah. Well, that kind of screws that up. No, but he, he, uh, he just he could never really stay healthy. I mean, he, he missed. I don't think he ever played a full season. He always missed at least a game or two and was banged up. And, I mean, people forget in 2017 he took him to the playoffs. He won a playoff game. It's, um, you know, I've learned this over the years. Uh, it's hard to be consistently good at professional sports. You know, a lot of times we're quick to say, and I, I've been one of the quickest to say it at various times, oh, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to be great. Man, it's all about longevity when we talk about great. A lot of guys can have a great. Des Bryant was easily top three receiver in the National Football League for three years. But that was it. Yeah. It was three. I mean, it was three years and you couldn't do shit with him. <laughs> you could not do anything with Des Bryant for three years. He was literally one of the best in the league. But other guys were just like Des Bryant, but they did it for 10 years. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, man. Or, I mean, it's, it's wild. So that longevity piece, man, that's what it's all about. It's also weird when you look at it, the run of quarterbacks for a few years, you know, you can go back if you want to really the year before that. Well, I guess we were just talking about 2015. So, yeah, I mean, you can go to 2015 and you sit here, even if you wanted to go back to 2014, quarterbacks drafted in the top three. In 2014, Blake Bortles, Bortles meh. 2015, Winston and Mariota go one and two overall. Meh. <laughs> 2016, Goff and Wentz go one and two overall. Now, Goff yeah. did play in a Super Bowl, but still, eh. And, yeah, that's like, yeah. Whatever. 2017, Mitch Trubisky goes number two overall. Bust. Damn, bro. 2018, Baker Mayfield one overall, Sam Darnold three overall. Eh. Exactly. 2019, Kyler Murray, okay, number one overall. He's been solid, I, I, I would say, but still, he yeah. hadn't won anything. And yeah, like yeah, hadn't whatever. done anything, quite honestly. So I'm gonna say like like I'm not co-signing on Kyle Murray. I'm just, and it's not because he blocked me on Twitter. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> so that gets you all the way. So all those drafts in a row until 2020 came along, and Cincinnati wound up with Joe Burrow. Now, how many quarterbacks is that? That's like ten, right? Yeah, and th and those are top three pick. I didn't even name the other first round. Those are just one, two, or three overall in the NFL draft. Well, see, that proves my point that I tell people all the time. Okay, Dak sucks. Let's just move on for him and trade to get the number one pick. That, that don't guarantee you nothing, bro. No, man. <laughs> it guarantees you nothing. You can have the number one pick. You can have the top five quarterback pick. You can have Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And let me tell you this right now. I can see both of them being busts. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying they could. Let me tell you why. I can see it. 
little bitty dude out of Alabama played on the best team. You know, life is different when you ain't playing on the best team and you're up all the time. You got this great offensive line in front of you, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you got the best receivers and the best running back and the best coach. Yep. Because you're a little bitty guy. I can see that why him busting. C.J. Stroud, my boy. I can see him busting because why? Um, last two Ohio State quarterbacks taken in the first round. Seems to me like Ryan Day is the guy getting all the credit. He's scheming guys wide open. And they get to the league and they're like, they can't call plays. They can't get in the hug. They can't do shit. Yeah. Because Ryan Day been a puppet master. Now, that's great because Ryan Day getting first-round quarterbacks and making them first-round quarterbacks. That's great. But two, the only two guys from his system so far have not done anything when it comes to throwing the football. So I'm just telling you, you could draft either one of those guys and both of them could end up going to the Hall of Fame. Or they could both bust, and I just told you why without – I mean, this ain't no hyperbole. Easily, those guys could be bust because of the two reasons I just told you. You just never know, man. You, I, I, That's what I'm saying. There's so just no way to if know. You gotta, if you got a dude who can play, for real, instead of bitching and moaning and talking about your side chick quarterback that you'd like to get with, enjoy the guy you got. Exactly. Enjoy the guy you've got. You can yeah. use that in a variety of different ways in life. <laughs> you can also use it to enjoy, maybe not the guy you've got, but enjoy the barbecue you've got at Smokey John's. It's right there in DFW. It, all you, all, everyone living in North Texas, you can drive there in a relatively short amount of time to enjoy Smokey John's barbecue. People like me, I have to save it for when I go visit my family. Or I have to tell them, order it before you get on the plane and just keep it fresh for me. <laughs> But it's funny because they created the Jam Session Bowl just for all of you that listen to the podcast. And I love this. And I brought up that you can drive from anywhere in North Texas because some of you guys do that. Justin Bobo, the Puma J.O. on Twitter, tweeted at us over the weekend, sent us a picture of the Jam Session Bowl that he had ordered. He says, drove all the way from Sherman for my first Jam Session Bowl. How about that? I mean, how about that, man? I mean, that's, so those of you, I don't know, Smokey John's, that's kind of close to downtown Dallas. That dude drove from Sherman. <laughs> and he, he sent us a picture as proof of evidence that he got the jam session bowl, supporting us, supporting Smokey John's barbecue. And you know what? He loved it. Nah, bro, I'm down for it. It's fantastic. They put that mac and cheese or mashed potato base on it. You, you get to pick it. And then, man, your choice of two out of five smoked meats. Um, I typically go with the sausage and the brisket, man. And then they put all the stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, bro. Chives, onions, cheese, sour cream, bacon bits. I mean, it's fantastic. They drizzle it with the sauce, bro. And, hey, it's to live for. I mean, it's a massive amount of food, really. I would think it would be hard for one person to eat it at one sitting. I really, uh, I think so. Yeah. Two, yeah. two people can kill it. Uh, maybe sometimes three. If you get a kid who's like five or six or seven, maybe, uh, the three y'all could eat it and, and really you'd be fine with it. So I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Go get it. Just go get it. Enjoy it. You're going to love it. It's, it's a great experience at Smokey John's Barbecue. Everything there is phenomenal. Not only can you get the Jam Session Bowl, do yourself a favor, and I know that's a lot to eat, grab some of the other sides as well because they're fantastic as well. Juan and Brent, the brothers that own it, it's family-owned and operated. It's local. It's been in their family for years. 
And they've been great supporters of ours, so support them and order the Jam Session Bowl because it's delicious. Smokey John's Barbecue, check them out. So we're going to wrap up the podcast with a trip around the block here because I thought this was funny. You're like, oh, we got to talk about this. It's like, okay. So I've talked about this a few times. I had never seen Seinfeld for whatever reason. I don't know why. I mean, I might have seen like a, a minute of it here or there. I'm familiar with what it was. But we started watching early in 2022. I was like, you know what? Let's let's just let's watch Seinfeld, and it's an easy let's show. See what it's all about yeah, because the, the episodes are 22, 24 minutes long, and so a lot of the times, like we might watch whatever other TV show, whatever sporting event, movie, whatever, and then you know, two, three times a week, we'll just knock out an episode or two of Seinfeld. Like, there's no, we're not trying to watch it every day or anything like that. It's just we've been going through it, and last night we got to season eight. So we have we have 40 some odd episodes left because season eight and then season nine wraps it up. But one of the things that really and this is the lady fiance thinks this is hilarious and I'm notorious for this. I a lot of the times will look around in the background of like whatever movie or TV show we're watching. I'm like, oh, look at that. Or what's that over there? Hey, did you see that blind guy walking by in the background? And she's like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, you missed him. You know, I just I, I noticed like all this stuff in the background of shots Right. And in Seinfeld, a lot of it is in Jerry Seinfeld's apartment. And man, this dude had like in they got to be doing a bit or something or making a joke about it that I'm just unaware of. And I know there's one episode where he talks about his love for cereal. But this dude has more cereal on one shelf in his apartment than any. And he lives by himself. He's not married. (laughs) He has like a different girlfriend every episode. So maybe they sometimes eat the cereal, too. I don't know. Kramer will come over and sometimes eat some. I'm not kidding you. Yesterday on the episode that we were watching, and it's not like they focus on it. It's in the background. So you got to like kind of pay attention to, to pick up on the cereals behind him. I counted, I think it was nine different boxes of cereal on his shelf. Nine. That's a lot. <laughs> for for a one single guy? I mean, you know, when you eat cereal, maybe you maybe you get, I don't know, two different cereals? Three? <laughs> nine for one person and what's weird is they're all over the place so last night i counted in the episode we were watching he always has honeycomb on the shelf right 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 he usually has a box of cheerios raisin bran banana nut crunch fruity pebbles frosted flakes wheaties and always in every episode a massive box the biggest box i've ever seen of grape nuts because who the hell eats grape nuts not I, bro. So you're I telling me you like- this is a dude who likes honeycomb, fruity pebbles, frosted flakes, which are sweet cereals. Oh, but yes, I love grape nuts. Well, maybe that's a change of pace, or maybe that's for his parents when they rolled through. And in this episode last night, not only were those cereals already on the shelf, he was carrying in a bag of groceries in one scene, and Alphabet's cereal was in the damn bag of groceries he was bringing in. <laughs> in. I was trying to think about it. The reason it was funny to me is I was thinking about uh, my kids when they were growing up, like I was, uh, I was a big cereal guy probably until uh, I can't even tell you, man. It's probably been twenty years, fifteen or twenty years since I've been a cereal person, and that's because I couldn't figure out why. But it turned out I got to be lactose intolerant, hmm. and all that cereal just gave me gas. And then you know it's all carb loaded, and so it's just I just kind of phased it out. But I remember for a stretch, man, we would have, because they all liked something different. 
uh, you know, so we would have a box of honeycomb and we'd have a box of honey nut Cheerios and we had a box of frosted shredded wheat and we'd have a box of uh, crunch berries. I always frowned on that. And we'd have a box of frosted flakes. Uh, but then there'd also be like two or three boxes of those because you're always trying to prepare in case one one was empty. There'd be a box of Fruit Loops. Yeah, I, I too frowned upon those. And uh, I think that was all. Occasionally there'd be a box of Apple Jacks, which I was a big fan of. Okay. Uh, because I became an adult and realized I didn't need my mother's permission to buy some Apple Jacks if I wanted some. Uh, did you ever do that, man? Become an adult and yep. go, you know what? Sure did. I, I can buy this. I don't need, I mean, I don't live at home anymore. If I wanted to buy the biggest box of Apple Jacks ever, I could do that. Um, the other thing I did, man, was I said, oh, I don't have to just eat bacon on Sundays. I can eat bacon for breakfast on a Wednesday if I feel like it. Now, what was your things about when you remembered you were an adult and you didn't need permission? There was a lot of that. There was a lot of probably, especially when I got into college or right out of college where I used to eat a lot more sweets, I would imagine. And I probably ate way more fast food than I should, you know, but it, it was probably things of that nature where, you know, I used to really like, like we didn't eat a lot of sweet cereal growing up. Like we would get cinnamon toast crunch and maybe tricks, you know, stuff like that, but not a lot of sweet cereals. And I think there was a there was probably a time it was either in college or right out of college where I used to love corn pops, the cereal corn pops, and I would just eat corn pops all the time. Right, right, right. You know, and I'd love to travel back in time and see my eating habits at that point. I mean, there was a time in my life where my late twenties, I ate I mean, I got up to two hundred and twenty seven pounds. Whoa. And so to paint to paint a picture for you of, of what that means for me, same height as I am now, which is about six three. I mean, I'm, a, I'm technically like 6'2 and, you know, 5'8s or whatever it is. I mean, right up there. So I round, because I, the lady, she's like, you're not 6'3. I'm like, okay, fine. You know what, guys? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm rounding up less than a quarter of an inch to get to 6'3. So I apologize. Dude, but bro. point being, same height as I am now. And I think I was 28. I weighed 227 pounds. Today, right now, as we are talking, I weigh 179 pounds. Wow. So think about that weight fluctuation, all right? But I eat a lot. I eat way better. I eat very, very, for the most part, healthy now and much, much more so than I did. But there was a part in my late 20s, I'd eat Whataburger probably three, four times a week. Yeah. You know, I would just fast food it. I mean, I would eat. It was not uncommon for me. I was eating a fast food lunch probably every day. I, I you know, I, I, I drank a lot of soda. I just did all kinds of different things. And I wasn't necessarily raised that way. I mean, my mom would take us, you know, we would get a treat sometimes where we, it was a special thing for us to go and, and get like sweets or eat something, you know, like a Happy Meal from McDonald's. Right, right. But for the most part, you know, I came from a, a family that was very fortunate to be able to, for the most part, I mean, my dad traveled a bit, but, you know, we sat down and had family meals that my mom cooked most days out of the week, I feel like. And so right. I don't know, maybe it was, oh, now I can eat fast food whenever I want. I can get whatever I want. I think there's probably something to that until I realized, holy crap, I feel horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll change. You know, yeah. And that was, you know, even then, I mean, the last several years, I mean, the last year I've gotten way more extreme with my eating. I, mean, I don't even know why, but it's, 
you know, the cereal thing is interesting. And I can't remember if I've told you this. I probably have. But, you know, I got to a point. People think I'm nuts because I, I like Wheaties and I like shredded wheat. I, I like that. I think it tastes good. I, I don't know why. Right. People think a lot of people are like, no, you don't. You're just saying that. I'm like, no, I, I legitimately enjoy eating shredded wheat, not the frosted shredded wheat, just plain shredded wheat with almond milk. I think it's delicious because I like the flavor of the wheat. Well, I was eating that every morning for breakfast. And one morning they called me while I was preparing for my radio show out here. This is, this is probably about a year ago, maybe, maybe a little less than a year. And they called me, they're on the air. And they, apparently somebody had brought up my breakfast choices. And so Greg McElroy and the dude he does his show with, Cole Kublik, they're making fun of me on the air. So they call me on the air and I don't even know that, I'm, that they're on the air. So I answer right. and they're like, hey, dude, you're on the air. Is it true that you eat shredded wheat and like you only eat like Wheaties and like super wholesome food all the time? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, why is that a problem? And they, so they were making fun of me and stuff. And then Greg goes, man, I just don't know how you handle all those carbs. So I was like, what? And I'll never forget this. I went and looked at the carbs in a bowl of wheat cereal. I was like, oh my God, there's a ton of carbs. And ever since then, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I, have, I don't eat carbs <laughs> for breakfast since then. During the week. I mean, like weekends are different. But Monday through Friday, I, I, I do not eat carbs for breakfast. Dude, I'm not even surprised. I've done, I told you I did that with... Um, I was so disappointed. I did that with uh, Frappuccinos at Starbucks. And you might be like, well, duh. No, but I would get like a mocha frappuccino. Yeah. No, no whip. No, just, I just want to, basically I want a coffee flavored smoothie. And I was looking at it one day on an app or something. I said, whoa, why's it got all the sugar in it? It should just be coffee. And I looked and I was like, um, it had something, whatever the frappy part is, was sugar. And I was just like, yeah, man, you guys have just ruined it for me. And so that was probably real talk, man, probably about three or four months ago. And I've probably had two or three in that time, whereas before then, in a three or four month period, uh, let's say maybe twice a week, I may have had, you know, 30 of them. But, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I just was just like, no, nah, I can't be doing that, bro. Dude, it's. Like it gets to a point, like once you cut out some of that stuff, if you go back and try to eat it, like I like there's stuff yeah. I just I can't eat anymore because the way it makes my body feel, I just I'm like nope, I'm I'm not I don't even want to feel like this. No, true that. I mean, it is like there are certain yeah. things I really I mean, hell, who doesn't like a, a delicious water burger? But I can't. I, there's no way I could eat that right now. It'd make my stomach feel so out of whack. I'd be like, man, I. You eat it, and I'll enjoy watching you eat it, and I will enjoy your enjoyment of watching you eat it. I was going to say, I could eat it. <laughs> what I can't can eat is like something like KFC. Yeah, I can't. There's no way. I mean, I can't. That, uh, that pretty much destroys me. And, uh, you know, so. I, and that's why I, I actually like to cook. I'm not talking about gourmet meals. Yeah. But, but my latest thing, and if you guys haven't tried this, try it. Now, here's the deal. I can't tell you why I did this. I'm sure somebody asked me to do it, but I can't say I, can, I literally can't remember why I do it because I've never liked it. Like, I've never been like, you know, if you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to bodybuild, don't laugh. Uh, people who do that say, oh, you got to eat a lot of chicken, a lot of tilapia, blah, 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 blah. Well, I ain't never liked tilapia. But for some reason, I got some about a month ago, like, like a couple pieces 
and I put them in an air fryer with some Tony's Creole on them. Mm. Dude, that thing was off the chain, bro. I put it in the air fryer at uh, whatever, 400 for about 12 minutes. It got crispy on the inside, on the outside, and flaky on the inside. Yeah. And literally all I put on it was garlic powder, onion powder, and Tony's seasoning. And I was like, okay, I can add this to the mix. And so, um, you know, because you're always trying to find, if you're trying to eat right, you're trying to find stuff that tastes good and is good for you. So there's not like, ah, this shit is nasty, blah, blah, blah. So no, man, tilapia is now part of the- uh, Yeah, I can see that. The, reg- the regular, matter of fact, I just bought some the other day to go with some salmon and some shrimp because mm. I'm trying to cut out my, uh, not cut it out, I'm trying to dramatically reduce my red meat. Not even once a week, more like once every couple of weeks. I gotcha. Yeah, we you know all have things. Why? Cholesterol? Fuck no. I, I don't know. What's dub? If you want your summer body, you gotta start now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. If you want your summer body, you gotta start now. Okay. Yeah, you gotta go lean, man, you know. Yeah, so I feel although I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna let y'all go. Now, Matt is like, eh, I'm in no hurry. We can talk as long as possible. But my book manuscript is due tomorrow. Okay. And so this is going to be like a college night, and I'm probably going to pull an all-nighter. But uh, even though I'm in pretty good shape, I still going to have to pull an all-nighter. But, uh, dude, because I have been basically living out of hotels and Airbnbs and suitcases for the last six months, seven months, eight months, I've not gone grocery shopping. And maybe we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. I went full-fledged grocery shopping the other day. And my mind was blown. Because I'm that guy, this is one of the nerdy aspects of me, not a lot of nerd to me, but this is one. I like to go around the store, pick up whatever I'm picking up, and then calculate it and play the prices right at the register. You know, nice. I guess, All right. I guess, I guess $87. <laughs> And the actual bill was funny. 91. And I get a big, you know, I get a big kick out of it. That's, that's okay. Hey, I said it was nerdy. That's part of my, part of my enjoyment of shopping. Sounds fun to me. But the, but the point was, dude, I have not literally been grocery shopping. I've been piecemealing. Like I go to the store and pick up enough for two or three days. Again, because I've been going back and forth to Dallas and Jackson and other places. Man, what happened, bro? The bag of salmon that was $25 six months ago is freaking 32 bucks Man. the eggs the egg whites yeah, that i get are... i know that because that chicken thing bro but those egg whites were 8.99 they used to be 7.99 and then they went to 8.99 i'm good i'm good with that all of a sudden bro they're 11.99 you know everything was just i was just like the hell it is expensive as hell to go grocery shopping. It is, man. It is. It, it's out of control. I mean, there are times where I'm sitting here going, man, there's only two of us. Like, what do we just eat a ton of food? Yeah. I'm like, no, I mean, it's just like like normal household products. Everything has gone way up. Yeah, bro. It, Everything. Like, wow. Across the board. I don't even eat. I, I mean, I don't feel like I eat a lot. I mean, I eat a lot of almonds and eggs and turkey and cheese, but... I don't know, man. It's just, I mean, it's everything. It's paper towels. It's laundry detergent. It's all these little things that you got to order from time to time. You're like, why? how is this $27? Okay, here's the other thing that set me off. So, 
again, you know, I'm, I'm finally settled. So I'm like, let me get my life back together. So I, that's why I got my fish and my shrimp and I got some proteins. And so I looked at my protein powder about two years ago because it doesn't really expire. Yeah. I bought some Isopure, which one of my bodybuilder friends told me, this is the best protein because it's got no calories, got nothing in it, it's pure protein. I can tell because it's, it's not the most flavorful thing. It's, it's average at best. You yeah. can suck it down. But I like coffee-flavored stuff, and they had a pretty good coffee-flavored protein powder. But they said they were going to stop, they were going to discontinue it. And I really enjoyed it, and I've been searching for years for a good one. So I bought about four of them. They were three-pound jugs. I bought about four of them. That's, that's when I was rolling in money, Matt, because they are about 50 bucks a piece. But that was okay, all right? It was an investment. Well, dude, I'm down to my last one. I just opened it, so I was like, oh, let me just uh, go, get a, go order another one since apparently they didn't discontinue it. Dude, I just told you that thing was $49.99 like a year and a half ago. You know how much that thing was yesterday? Mm. 75 bucks good I lord like, i was like what the hell so i asked my workout partners this morning like what the hell is up with this then they go oh no bro you know protein powder they got some egg white egg whey or something in there he said yeah i think the cost of eggs is i said really i mean i don't know i didn't verify it but i was just like i had to double check because there's a big difference between 50 and 75 man yeah, that's that's quite a jump, dude. I mean, I was just like, wow. And that's a little extreme. Yeah. So I was I was I I didn't get it. I was like, I need to reevaluate, see if I really need it. <laughs> yeah, I know. There, no, there's there's certain things that I used to get where I'm like, oh, I guess not anymore. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. You got to cut somewhere, man. I mean, we just can't all keep paying these exorbitant prices. It's insane. No, nah, it's true. That's true. That's true. <sighs> but. That's it for us, I suppose. You got to go work on your book. Finish that. Yeah, bro. And then next time we need to talk about why Birmingham no longer has a newspaper. Oh, yeah. We do need to get into that. After a hundred and something years, it went away. 133 years. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. Sad. It is. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Okay. I find that interesting. All right. Well, he's going to go finish his book. The rest of you have a wonderful time and we'll check in with you again. We'll talk to you on Friday. Appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.